Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 32 of the From the Finney podcast. I'm recording this in my mum and dad's conservatory and I've currently got COVID so if I sound a bit funny that's why and if you can hear a lot of birds chirping then that's also why. Uh, But yeah, Ollie and Adam are back for this one and we're going to discuss the goalless draw against Cardiff City, the embarrassment at Luton Town and a few other bits and bobs as well so enjoy. Adam, how are you? Good mate, yeah. Better than you, by the sound of things. But, yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm not too bad today, to be fair, but yeah, I've, uh, I've had a better few days than what I've had recently. How was your tea? What did you have? Just some last night's pasta. No sausage surprise or anything like that. <laughs> no no leftover pizzas. No. Ollie, you good, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. Good. Um yeah, I've not said this, I don't think, for a few weeks, but if you want to support us here at From The Finney, you can do. Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From The Finney, um, and anything that we receive is greatly appreciated, helps keep us running. Um, if you're listening on an Apple device, on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review on there, and if you're listening on Spotify, on your phone, or probably on an iPad as well, or a tablet... Uh, you can leave us a rating on there too. It's just like a star rating. Um, so yeah, boys, we'll we'll jump straight into it. To be honest, I think this bit's going to be quite short and sweet. But the Cardiff game, what what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we were just discussing uh, before we started recording, but I'd say we probably edged it overall. Yeah, arguably. Um, had a lot of the ball and didn't really do too much with it. Um, which is pretty much the theme for the last two games, if you look at it. I mean, we had, what was it, 57% possession against Cardiff, and it was about 60 against Luton. So a lot of the ball, not creating that many chances. Um, yeah, nil-nil. Boring game, really. Yeah, probably the, pros, probably the most predictable nil-nil of the season. If you just look at the two teams and look at how North End are failing to score, I think I think both teams had nine shots each and three on target each. I think North End had two big chances. Obviously missed them both, but probably went as we expected it to go, to be fair. Um, I think North End have only scored two or three goals in the last five games. Um, obviously continued last night. So Always a tough place to go, Cardiff, isn't it? We never seem to do that well there. No, Lowe said after, he said it was a good point, which I think usually... Most seasons it probably would be, but when you, you 
your slim playoff hopes completely disappear, it's it's not a good point, is it? No, not really. And yeah, Ali, it's two two goals in the last three. Uh, three in the last four. Obviously, the two came against Bournemouth at home. Yeah, three in the last five. Yeah, because it was nil-nil against Forest as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so just sort of moved away from that early exuberance that we saw under Lil, uh, which, as always with North End, it comes down to a lack of depth and quality, but I'm sure we'll get onto that later. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that game in particular, I mean, it pays you. Is it pays you, isn't it? That's the right way of saying it, I think. Yeah. It, yeah, it, 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 it came on. Pierre, yeah, um, it came on. Um, the RB ended up getting a bit of cramp, didn't he? And he gave him a little bit of a torrid time towards the end of the game. But when you look at that sub compared to our subs, Rafferty and Sinclair, you know, it it's pretty much sums up what Ollie says there is that there's a there's a big lack of depth in the squad. And if you want to turn around games and go ahead and win games last minute, you know, which we have done previously, we've brought on Reese, for example, when you're bringing on players like Rafferty and Sinclair, it's, you may as well give the game up, I think. I agree. When you're bringing on Rafferty, there's nothing to say, is there? So. Fair enough. Um, I know, Brownie, you mentioned there, and this has been something that's been discussed in the past or quite recently, um, about when you're bringing a meal off the bench, there's a bit more quality that you've got to come off the bench. In certain games do you think Ryan Lowe's perhaps because there has been talk hasn't there that this all this like poor start and we, we, we can't start a game well um, there has been talk that it's been done by design do you think maybe leaving someone like Emil on the bench is something that Ryan Lowe's looked at to think we've got a bit of quality to bring off the bench to try and change the game I honestly don't know I mean I think Reese is just a little bit of a an enigma isn't he I think Especially for Lowe, I don't fully, I'm not convinced that he actually likes him. I don't know. It's just, you know, like we were touching on a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, when you've got a 17 goal striker, for him not to be in the team is a bit bizarre. And to take him off at half time last night, um, yeah, a little bit odd. I think for the Cardiff game, if you actually look at the pitch, Cardiff, it's a massive pitch in it, lots of space. And if you, if you can get Reese in, in the channels or in behind, you can kind of exploit it. Um, so it's probably horses for courses, I suppose. But yeah, I, I just don't know what he's thinking is with Reese at the minute. I can't put my finger on it. I think I think the, the Reese versus Evans rhetoric has been done to the death in the last week. Um and I think to focus on Reese or Evans misses the point from last night, really. But Reese has scored one in ten now. Um, obviously hooked off last night, like Brownie says. Probably, I think you said it actually last night, Brownie. When he's a confidence player, taking him off at half time is just going to kill him even more. Um, he didn't play well in the first half, but I don't really think many players did. Um, and it feels like he can't really wait to take him off or not use him. Um, I think he's only started five of the last ten games, Emil. So I think he's a player who obviously people have said he has had moments off the bench, which he has. But I think once you get him into a run of games and confident, I think he's a much better player. Um, and Archer's scored one in five now, which I suppose is to be expected to some extent. Uh, first loan at this level, etc. Probably always going to drop off. But um, just looking at the stats before, and if you actually look at it, Johnson, Reese, and Archer have scored our last 12 goals between them. So a North End player, apart from those three, hasn't scored since Alan Brown scored against Sheffield United, 
which is pretty much two months ago. Um, so the lack of quality all over the pitch, the lack of quality from Sinclair, Evans, the wing backs, whoever's been used there. Um, obviously, we've not really seen Murphy, but very reliant on those three players. Um, and obviously, one of them's an 18, 19-year-old, however old he is. The other one's a massive confidence player. And I think Johnson's been good, to be fair. So, again, it's like the lack of depth around the pitch to score goals, especially when the defenders aren't chipping in. Brown's in poor form. Whiteman doesn't really attack anymore. And there's no quality at wing-back. So, always thought any talk of playoffs was very unrealistic. But it was good to ride away for them three or four games, I suppose. Yeah, Go on, Sorry, mate. I was just—I was just going to say—I think the wing-back issues is important not only, not only because of the lack of quality there, but the way that Lowe alluded to the fact that when he first came, that he wants his wing-backs from one crossing to another in the box. And if you actually look at our wing-backs, I mean, that he's just completely given up on that now. Um, and I think it was—was was it the Stoke game where Pot scored that goal? But I think it was—it was, was it Johnson who crossed it in. It wasn't, yeah, it was deep, it wasn't yeah, Earl. Yeah. So I think. It's probably the wing back situation. I know people keep going on about it, but it is it is a massive issue, um, and it is impacting yeah. the way we can attack and the way you'd like to think Low wants to score goals. Really, been trying to say this for quite a while. Obviously, there's been a lot of focus on Josh Earl, but I think I, I said someone last night on Twitter. I think what he's asking from the wing backs is impossible for a player at this level, and I think he's used 13 players on both sides in what is it three four months. Um, used four there last night, maybe, maybe even five there last night. Um, he's asking them to be 1v1 attackers, 1v1 defenders. He wants to play in combinations. He wants them to attack the box. He wants them to create from wide. And the, the players don't have the quality to do that. Um, so I think you're always going to come short there. And obviously, the, the Johnson cross came from a combination with Earl, I think, at Stoke. And we saw them combinations quite early on with Earl and Johnson. Um, Obviously, chopping and changing every week there now. And I think, obviously, McCann played there last night, hooked at half-time. Potts played there. Johnson went there. And obviously, Murphy moved back there for the last five minutes. So, I think he has no idea how to use the, the position, given the quality in the squad. Do you, th- do you think, looking back to the summer when it was... I can't remember if Frankie came out and said it or if it was just sort of like a... Um, like just something that was accepted that we had looked to recruit for the shape of, of a five three two or three five two, whatever you want to call it. Do you looking back at now with hindsight, you're looking and thinking where were we recruiting for that? Because like you've just said, he's used what, thirteen different players and, and I know this is Ryan and not Frankie, but I'm sure if you yeah. went back even as far as Frankie's time here, he's used that that two managers have used how many different players at wing back through a season, it just goes to show that there's no, um, there's no one in that mould that can play there in any, on on either side. Like mm. so, all this talk about oh we recruited for this, we recruited for that. Do you think it's easy, like you can say no? Actually, we didn't. Like looking back. Yeah, just jumping in quickly. Obviously, working in the job that I do. Um... Approach it very different to North End. Don't don't really recruit for a formation. Have a set style throughout the club, and it doesn't really matter who the coach is. Um, I think if you look at Frankie and Ryan Lowe, they play the same formation, but very different ideas behind that formation. Um, which is like obviously a wing back in a Frankie system 
is mainly a, going to be a defender and a counter-attacking player. So when you you couldn't really get more polar opposites, I don't think, than Frankie and Ryan. So you can say you're recruiting for a formation, but you should recruit for a style and try and stick to that throughout. Obviously, North End, as you say, have used 13, 14 players there and they have no idea how to get the best out of it. So I don't think we should have just accepted that they wanted to sign all Sunday and whatever, just because we were playing that system. Well, I think as well, we offered Cunningham a new deal, didn't we, as well, which kind of... You know, if you're going to play that formation, it's pretty much a, a fullback, isn't he? Playing, playing there. You've got all of Sunday is pretty much a fullback, so you're pretty much playing five at the back and the Frankie. Um, and then you, you hamstrung then when Low comes in and wants to play completely different. I think as well. I think we've noticed between us on the last well, however many weeks and months, we have no attacking width because we have recruited for wing backs. Obviously, Bark has been injured, but we've only really got Murphy, who's a winger. So you can't really change the game. Um, so, like obviously last night, the first time he's really changed formation and gone 3-4-3 three, three, with Murphy and Archer slightly wider. But we have no natural attacking width um, and it completely stifles your ability to change a game through tactics or systems or whatever. So that's probably why he's chopped and changed the wing back so much because that's the only real thing he can change. Um, you can't really go to a flat four. And I mentioned the diamond. I think that's the only way you can really go to it. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if Ryan Lowe's ever really veered away from a free anyway. So I'm not sure how important that is. But we are just very limited tactically because of our previous recruitment. I was going to say, maybe not just because of our previous recruitment, but how how flexible do you think Ryan Lowe actually is when it like tactically when it comes down to it? Do you think it is just the, the fact that he doesn't have the options off the bench to to change formation, and you know I know we have gone to a four in the past and and whatnot. But like you say, Josh Murphy's the only real winger that we've got at the club. Do you, do you think it is just poor recruitment in the past, or do you think there's maybe an element of stubbornness from the manager and his reluctance to move away from that three, which which you you know he, he's he's stuck by it, hasn't he? I don't know. I think I mentioned it a few week, few weeks ago in terms of, you know, if that is the way he wants to play and there's no pressure for us to get promoted this season and there's no harm in him continuing to play that way, you know, because the players that that are here and that are going to be in next season are used to playing that way. So when you get the actual players you want, you can kind of hit the ground running. Um, I suppose it's in games, really, where you need to change it a little bit more. And I think most times we, we kind of wait till half time no matter what. There's been games this season where um, Bristol City game, the um, the game last night, where we kind of just going through the motions until half time, and then and then we look to change something. Um, so it's probably something that we need to look at in terms of being more flexible throughout the game. I'd say. Yeah, I agree, completely agree. I think it's partly down to Ryan Lowe not being fantastic tactically, from what I've seen, um, or certainly less flexible than other managers. Um, which, you know, fair enough, if you've got the players and the quality, you can you don't really need to change stuff. Like at Plymouth, you probably didn't need to change stuff. Although saying that, in his last full season at Plymouth, he only finished six points above the drop zone. Um, finished 18th in League One, last full season with Plymouth. So, you know, if, like, if you finish... Did he not have in, a big injury problem toward the end at Plymouth? Well, injury problems don't matter to 
a lot of people, do they? I think previous coaches have had injury problems. Um, so just tactically, it does, does leave a few questions, but it's, it's unfair to judge him, I'd say, properly at the moment. Obviously, he's only really signed Bambo and Archer. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're the only two he's really signed. Um, so it's not his squad. Obviously, he's got a few players who suit his style of play, but the age-old thing with North End is just a lack of depth. And it's, you know, it's... it's how many times have we said it? Uh, he's used the same midfield three, the same front two, more or less, or three into two, the same keeper. Hughes has been ever-present, so has set. So when you're churning out these Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, whatever, something like that was probably always coming down the line last night, especially against such a top coach like Nathan Jones. Early on, we saw signs, though, didn't we, um, that would be maybe susceptible to being exploited at the back, given the way that he wants his team to play with the three and then obviously the sitter just in front. Um, and... Don't know about you two, but it always felt to me like something like last night could have happened at any point before last night under low. Oh, uh, last night is a weird one because they can happen, can't they? You know, you can get battered once in a while. It, you know, it, it, which is why I mean, we'll probably come on to it, but the ticket thing's a little bit over the top, reimbursing fans. But um, I think last night, I think we just got they were just they just hounded us, didn't they? And the quality at the back didn't really. And also as well, we didn't deal with crosses well at all. Like the RB wasn't really commanding in the box at all. You, you probably think with, with Bauer last night, we might have been able to deal with the crosses a little bit better. Um, so it's hard to judge because you do get battered occasionally, don't you? It's, yeah. just, it's just part of football sometimes. It, it, if it happens on a consistent basis, then fair enough. But I just think last night we just got beaten by by the better team, really. Yeah, I was I was looking before we came on and... There's always one or two games you remember from every season. So we had 4-0 last night. We had the 4-1 against Hull. Last season, we had the 3-0 against Rovers, which was 0-0 until Rafferty got sent off. We had the 5-0 versus Brentford under Frankie. 19-20, we had the 4-0 away at Hull, if you remember, where Ledson started at full-back. Then 18-19, we had the 4-1 at West Brom, when all that was going on about Alex Neal. So. And I think we had a big one under Grayson as well at Brentford. So there's always one, one or two a season, where if you go through the 92 or if you go through the 72, every club probably gets battered 4-0 once a season. It just happens, doesn't it? Um, and when you are going to a place like that, like last night, and they're going to be bang up for it because they've genuinely got points to play for. Um, if you're slightly off the mark, you are going to get battered. Saying that, they only had five shots on target. Um and I didn't think North End were... They were 3-0 down, but I didn't think they were absolutely horrible first half in a weird way. Um, it, it did, like, that first goal, it did feel, didn't it, like there was just moments, in, again, in the game where you're just thinking, like, someone switched off for half a second and we found ourselves a goal behind, like, the, the mix-up between Sepp and Bambo for that first one. And then, obviously, Hughes gives away the free kick for the second one, a bit needless. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the back three probably had their worst individual games I can remember last night. I think Hughes was awful. Um, I know he's been very good this season, but I thought when he was isolated against Cornick, he really struggled. Um, and I thought Adebayo completely bullied uh, Diaby. Um, 
So they had that strength and the pace up front as a, as a unit and they got it forward with real quality as well. Um, and yeah, our, like you say before, the three and the one, Whiteman's not great defensively. They're probably susceptible to getting bullied um, or getting overrun. And I thought Berry from number 10 absolutely dominated Whiteman as well. Um, so yeah, when you are going to a place like that, Nathan Jones is obviously going to have him riled because he got beat on the weekend un- unjustly. Um, and I think they've now won something like eight in 12. Proper team, proper coach. And someone messaged me saying, how are they up there in the top five? If you actually go through the squad, it's, it's a decent squad. And they had no centre-backs on the pitch last night when Burke went off. So extremely flexible coaching. One centre-mid, no centre-backs. And they just... It's easy to say they wanted it more, but it genuinely looked like they were more up for it. Um, and if you look at North End throughout three or four years, three or four coaches, the only consistent thing is the players. And some of these players, it's easy to come out and say stuff, but they're the common theme through North End seasons, Peter in a way, season after season. So it's well, time for Brown, a big shake. Brownie said it last night, didn't he? About there always comes a point in a season where it feels like we might be able to sort of sneak into the playoffs or maybe just squeeze something special out of the season and then it comes to those crunch games and we always just seem to bottle it. And like you say, Ollie, you know, over the last four or five seasons, the, the one common denominator is that it's been largely the same core group of players, hasn't it? I don't think we have a lot of like, power and pace and like just... You look, you look at them last night and they were all over the place, like on us constantly, like quick. A lot of our... I don't know. I don't. I don't think we've got a lot of lot of physicality in our squad in terms of, um, you know, like I say, power and pace. I just think we're a bit we're a bit laboured, aren't we? A lot of the time. Yeah, I know it? it got it got mentioned last night after the game, didn't it? But I think since Alex left, uh, no, since Alex's first couple of seasons off the ball, we're just completely different. Like, like you've just said it there, Brownie. You know, you look at Luton and they. They were hustling us, harrying us, pressing us all over the pitch. We couldn't cope with it. That you know, <laughs> Ollie, I think you said it. I don't think Bambo's ever played in such a high intensity game like that for us. Obviously, it's only three appearances, but mm. we 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 used to do that. We don't anymore. Off the ball now, we we're a completely different side, and I'm not sure if it's whether or not we've got the players to do it. Obviously, I think to an extent, some of the players can do it. Brownie used to do it really well when he played higher up in that 10 position and was the one pressing players behind Jordan Hugill or whoever was the centre forward but do you think overall we do have the quality to do that anymore or do you think it is just a coach decision not to do that and to be a little bit more passive off the ball? I think you have to be able to coach patterns as well don't you? Um, It's hard to say without seeing training what happens but I completely agree with Brownie Um, if you go through the squad there's no pace there's no pace in the squad. There's no pace at wing-back, which is probably the biggest issue because the wing-backs can't get in behind. I know Potts can run for days and I know he does 5K in 17 minutes or whatever it is, but he can't really get in behind someone, can he, with genuine blistering pace. And obviously, Josh Earl has no no real pace. Murphy, you know, he's, he's these kind of players that does... It's like Archer, that some zippy players, but no sustained pace, apart from Barkey and Reese probably. And Reese is probably just a threat with the ball at his feet, um, just running at players, just 
sheer persistence. Um, and if you look at Cornick and Adebayo last night, or if you look at someone like Iqpizu, um, even Dom Solanke, I know he didn't play well at, at, at Deepdale, but most teams have genuine athleticism throughout the squad. Um, and if you look at the top six, they'll all have big, powerful players. Um, and I've always thought that's been a bit of an issue, even when like, Alex Neal was here. Because, you, you know, obviously Hugel had his detractors, but at that stage in, in the prime of his career, he was a genuine athlete as well. Um, and you had Brown behind. So, no offence, I've gone away from that. Park, uh, Barky's lost a bit of pace as well over the last couple of years, I've noticed. Um, I thought you were going to say Parky yeah. then. I was like, he's never <laughs> had pace, has he? <laughs> yeah, I was, watch- I was watching under Kosh before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a massive thing. It's a massive thing for summer. Um, just pace and just a bit of dynamism. But I think even Evie, you touched on Reese and Barky, yeah, they're both really lightweight as well. Like yeah. you, you, you talk about getting bullied, I know it's like an old thing in football, but you turn up to a ground like Luton and you, and you can get bullied easily. And if you don't have the players in order to be able to deal with it, then you just get overrun. Um, and I just don't think we have that in our squad. Mm. Yeah, I'm um, just trying. Um, I'm, I'm just trying on. to think of. Uh, when we almost won there in after lockdown, I can't really remember who started. Um, I'm just trying to think how different the squad would be. But when uh, was that when Sinclair scored and then yeah. they equalised with Last two minute, minutes to go? Well, it would yeah. have been. Would it have been Deck, uh, Fish? In terms of physicality, I can't remember who we had. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I thought that for a while about enough. And when you're bringing in players like Stockley. It's worlds apart from players like Adebayo, basically. But that's it. Even with players like Rafferty and stuff like that, you know, not it's not only football ability. It's you just not got not got it to play at this level. You're just gonna get you're just gonna get done, aren't you? It's just bizarre signings that just make no sense at all. And you go back to Luton, they've got a proper recruitment strategy, haven't they? And and um, you know they do it right. So yeah, it's something we we, we go on about it, but yeah, the summer's going to be going to be massive in it. Yeah, thought their wing backs really good last night. By the way, Amari Bell was at Rovers and James Bree, who came through. He was at Villa and Barnsley, I think. So, um, I just thought, yeah, all over the pitch. If you look at their individual quality, you probably wouldn't say it was amazing, but if you have to look at them individually, they are decent decent players and decent athletes as well. And obviously, one of the big ones that people have spoken about quite a lot is Ali McCann. He got hooked at half-time. Alan Brown, been off the pace. I think that's putting it politely for the last few weeks. Do you think now there is an argument to move Alan Brown to right wing back and, and give Ali a run in the side in his natural position? Or is it swings and roundabouts? It just feels like you're shifting players about again, like, People won't. I don't mind Brown ring wing back, but how much difference is it going to make? I suppose it gets McCann in the team, doesn't it? That's and that's what you want. You know, do you, you sacrifice losing Potts to get McCann in the team? That's probably the, the question, isn't it? Because I, I don't. I, Brown struggles. He struggles in centre midfield. <laughs> like number ten, fine, but for me, kind of slows the play down a lot of the time. And um, he's not. He's not got great vision. His quality isn't isn't great, is it? His technical ability. He's just yeah. a runner, isn't he? Um, and I like Brown, but I do think there's probably an argument to move him out wide and move 
and move McCann in, to be honest. Yeah. I think, um, I can't remember who was saying, but I don't think the, the system gets the best out of Brown or DJ. I know DJ's playing quite well, but I think they're both better as lone number 10s. Different players, but I've always thought Brown's tempo on the ball is quite slow. He's not the best at getting out of his feet and playing little needle passes through. I think he's just very good running off a single striker, arriving in the box. Um, quite like him out wide, he's got a bit more space. He can see the game ahead of him. So I I quite like Brown at wing back. But I wouldn't... I obviously, Sinclair uh, McCann was hooked last night, but I didn't think he was like any worse than Potts. Um, I think, obviously, Potts has done well, and I, I was a big fan of Potts when he first signed, but I think he's quite basic as a wing-back. I don't think he's been doing outstanding. I think last, people have been... Last few games, he's not been great, has he? I don't think he's been great throughout his period there, his period of time there. Obviously, he scored the goal at Stoke, but I think he's just been fine. Um, fairly dependable, but again, no real quality from that area. So, I think you can chop and change them all you like. I think you are just going to lack quality in those areas. Because, again, I think when, when I was on with Brownie, it... It's an impossible position to play wing back. I'm convinced, like, you're asking for absolutely everything from a player there. And I don't think we have the quality to really excel there. If you look at the good wing backs in the league, they're just genuinely very good players. Um, so I'm not sure until summer, however many games it is, I'm, we're never going to settle on two players there, I don't think. I think with Brown and DJ as well, he's. he's... He's been swapping them around a little bit in games. He did it again last night. He did it against Cardiff. Yeah. He pretty much gave DJ a little bit of a freer role to to get on the ball and dictate play. But you know, we touched before about the Stoke goal and DJ getting in on that left side. I think it works really well. And at the beginning of last night as well, he was playing really well there. And then he swapped it. I don't know whether he was thinking a little bit more defensively because we were getting done on that left-hand side and he moved Brown over, probably a bit more stability. I don't know. But even... Even those positions, he doesn't seem to be 100% on at the minute low. So, yeah, I'd definitely try it. No arm, is there, at the minute? <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah, like you say, I keep DJ on that left side. I quite like him there. I think it's a natural left footer crossing from that little corridor of space as well, which I think he does really well. Um, I think he attacks that space, doesn't he, quite well. Like like we saw at Stoke, we've seen it in a couple of other games. Um I'm not sure if McCann was injured or just hooked because he got a little banged in he, but obviously quite a quite a, a gap until the next game. So it's like we say, yeah. I think I think me and you were talking about it last week, Jake. Is Brown undroppable because he's the captain? He definitely should not be undroppable. I don't think um, any player should be undroppable, really, should they? But yeah, it does no, but... it does it does feel a little bit like that because he hasn't been dropped despite not performing to his I think it, his it, best that we've it seen felt from like him that. recently. It felt like that on our Alex Neil with Brown as well because he is so dependable. Because you know he's limited, but you are going to get some eight, eight, eight times out of ten. You're gonna get. You're probably gonna get a six and a half, seven at the very least out of Alan Brown, aren't you? I don't know. Not. He has a lot of fives for me. I know Lanks Live and LEP don't like giving fives, but he has a lot of fives. You could easily just not notice he's been playing for me, Alan Brown. Yeah. I love Brownie and and I, but you can easily he can coast through a game and you, you can't really tell he's played or not. Whereas DJ I think always makes an impact on the game. So what what do you think it is then about Alan Brown that system. numerous coaches well I would say numerous coaches I don't think Frankie was that big of a fan of him really was he because he didn't he had a spell where he didn't play that much under Frankie. Um but 
obviously Alex and now Ryan Lowe, what what do you think it is about Alan Brown that they that they liking him? If like you say, there's there's times where you think he can coast through a game and not really do that much, and he'll still get the ninety minutes. Do you think it is just because he is the captain? I think it's a bit more than that, but I think you can, you can pop up with a goal. I suppose um, doesn't really shirk anything. But again, how much real quality does he have? Yeah, I mean, you just got to look back. His best times for the club was when he's played that number ten position. Best seasons he's had. He scores goals. Um, he's quite good in the air and he gets in the box as well. You know, I know we don't play that way now, but yeah, I think he struggles in that midfield, that midfield role definitely. So we've got got a question here from Sean Gibbons uh, on Twitter, and he said, "What is it about some PNE fans who tend to think that we're Champions League material after winning one match?" Then one defeat and we're a Vauxhall Conference. Do you think that's just our fan base? I just think it's just the nature of football and social media. You know, especially if you can watch games on TV. You know, your immediate reaction is to, you know, go on social media and and go wild. Um, so I probably I probably expect it to be similar for every fan base. To be honest, yeah, I think it's probably heightened as well after the last two years that we've all had. The you know the fact that people couldn't get on football for so long and you know you saw it we've spoken about this millions of times on here but you saw it under Alex where we were winning and it was like oh we're, we're getting promoted and we're losing it's like oh we're fucking shit and I know that's pretty much the question that the that Sean's just asked but yeah I, I dare say it's it's probably something that you'll see across the majority of fan bases and I think it's probably something that's been heightened. Personally, anyway, I think high end by the last couple of years that we've had. Yeah, a couple of people have had a go at me in the past for taking the emotion out of it. But if you take the emotion out of it, we are just an average championship team. Like We're not going up or down. We're never going to be in the Champions League. And we're probably never going to be in the conference. So we're never going to go up this season. I don't think we're ever been. I think someone tweeted last night, the season was over when we appointed Frankie um, as a promotion charge. As harsh as it sounds, that's I agree with that completely. So well, I was going to say, looking back, and I think anyone would be hard pushed to disagree with that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think like Brownie says, it's just the nature of football fandom. Yeah, especially with social media, it's, it's even worse now. If you follow people who are Liverpool fans, City fans, whatever, having a meltdown when they lose a game or when they even draw a game, so. Yeah, I think that's the nature of football fandom in 2022. I think probably as well is people got a little bit carried away with the low situation and he's come in and I think because things were so bad before, I think people were genuinely starting to speak about playoffs when in reality, like Ollie says, we, we, we are a pretty average team. So, you know, you, you can't get too carried away when we're winning. Um, I mean, and I don't think you can get too carried away about last night either. Last one then. Um this one's from the chap on Twitter and he's asked uh well, it's quite a convoluted way of asking, do you think recruiting a goalkeeper in the summer should be the main priority? I think it's one of a number of I don't think it can be the main priority. Well we need like, three, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Obviously Rudd Ripley's gonna go. Hudson's dropping clangers for Bamber Bridge, I think. Um and Everson, who knows? Probably had his worst game in an off end shirt last night, didn't he? Um, but obviously, it's a massive thing. It depends what 
what Lowe wants to do. Does he want someone who's comfy with his feet? Because I think there was a few disagreements between Bambo and Everson last night about weight of pass, uh, being put under pressure, etc. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously a very important uh, thing. George has said before, he thinks Everson's saved us 10 points this season. You take them 10 points away, we're nowhere near the top six. Never mind, you know, top half. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good loan keepers out there in League One at the minute and other levels. So I don't think it's the end of the world, personally, if we don't get Everson. Um, obviously, would rather have him than not, but I think loans are the best way to go for me. Yeah, like, again, we, we covered that one a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about loaning and goalkeepers. Um what do you th- what do you make of Gentry Day at Barnsley instead of Derby? Neither end of there really was it. No, I think um, I was touching it before. Didn't we? It was, it was a few traffic issues. Um, was it train? Can't remember for Derby. Um, so yeah, it's probably the right decision, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, last 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 proper last one before we finish um, the refunds. I know it's something that. W- Reading between the lines, it seems like it's something that Ryan Lowe's just come out and said. Um, but do you, do you think it was just an emo- an emotional thing that he said last night um, and the club felt like they've had to come out and sort of back it? Or Yeah, I think once Ryan Lowe said that to the press, I don't think the club have a choice, did they? No. Really? <laughs> um, no. I think if you look at the statement, it says this is not something that the club will ordinarily do which means they won't be doing it again, which I fully agree with. I think Solly yeah. said it last night. You don't go to a game on the basis that your club plays well or gets three points. It's just part and parcel, isn't it? Yeah, you don't you don't go to a game expecting to be refunded if you get pumped 4-0. Like, it's just, yeah, it's part and parcel of supporting it, it, a football team. It just strikes me as a very Ryan Lowe thing to do. I'll just leave it as that. It's a, it, it's a bit of a defence. Um, well... A deflecting mechanism, isn't it? I suppose to come out and say that everyone could say that a manager can come out and say that all the time, or we'll refund you. You know, when in reality, you actually look at the performance and how well we did, and that includes the manager in that, doesn't it? As well, so you know, it's it's yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a tactic, I think, from low, um, which seems to have gone down well, but you can't keep getting away with it and doing it, can you? So. No, you got to walk the walk as well as talk the talk, haven't you? Um, and obviously, time will tell. I think you know we, we've said it tonight that the squad's not his. He's got obviously the summer coming up. Um, so yeah, time will tell. I think what I will yeah. say is I, I, I think the club coming out and saying that anyone who doesn't claim a refund, that money will be donated to the British Red Cross. Um, support of the the crisis that's going on in Ukraine. I think that's incredibly admirable. I'm sorry if you can hear dogs barking in the background. That's mum and dad's idiot border collies. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, it's a nice gesture and yeah, I pretty much you'd expect them to, to do that nice little bit of PR on the back of it. So yeah, well done. Yeah. Um, boys, unless you've got anything else you want to say, I think we can wrap it up. No, mate. Cool. Perfect. Grand. Cheers for your time, fellas. Um, I don't know when we'll be back. A couple of weeks. Again, dogs are barking. I think my dad's just come home. Um, yeah, and enjoy your uh, enjoy your time away from the pod, and uh, I'll speak to you in a bit, boys. See you later, mate. Yes. See you in a bit.